Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, it cares Levert. It's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday. Shot clock down to six. Finds one. three. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. Um, and of course, we just over Indy Cornrows. The season is starting really damn soon, which I am. I'm both ready and not ready for. And to to unpack some more things from things that have leaked out during media week, and as well as finally answer your mailbag questions from last week because I've been busy as hell. Tom Lewis, Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mark. You know, we got uh, single game tickets are on sale. Fan Jam on uh, Sunday. It's, it's all falling into place here. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, having media day on last Monday, really, I guess, was that this Monday? I think that was this Monday. Yeah, I can, it feels like technically last Monday, but um, (laughs) yeah, you know, time is a, time is a flat circle, but uh, the season is, is really feeling upon us and we'll, we'll talk more about preseason later, but the first preseason game is in four freaking days uh, against the Mm. Knicks on October 5th, which is kind of just absurd. Um, but I'm, I'm very ready for that. Pacers have four preseason games before they have their first game against the Hornets on the 20th. Um, we'll, of course, you know, dive into those preseason games after they happen and um, discuss our takeaways and whatnot because, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if this has changed up for you at all, but I went from just being kind of like, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in preseason, but I'm not going to take too much from it. But now, after media day, and we're going to dive into it, but I feel like I am coming away being very much so interested to see what happens during preseason and, and see how things look rotationally. And um, I just based that because I, I think I mean, I'll ask this to you, too. Caitlin and I talked about it a few days ago, but I feel like my biggest takeaways from everything that's come out during training camp is that the the, the rotation looks a lot different than I think I, I expected it to in some ways, based on the way things are being talked about. Yeah, I agree, and and you're right. It is uh, um, just was writing a little something about Isaiah Jackson yesterday, and I was like, man, I'm looking forward to these preseason games. In the same like, like you know, I was looking forward to watching Duarte in, in Vegas just to see the the uh, new way they're they're going to be using guys and um, who they're going to be mixing and matching and, and experimenting with, uh, and and again. I think the interest for me is that, you know, the math doesn't add up when I think about yeah. all the uh, supporters I've heard and all the uh, different ways guys were talked about being used and, you know, when and how are they going to be used is, is going to be interesting. And um, it, it definitely is going to be a, a different vibe and a different way of, of this kind of same team approaching things than it was last year, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And also, I'll just be – I want to put this out there right now. We're not going to get to every mailbag question because a lot of the mailbag questions are going to be answered in this because a lot of them are about the rotation. I'm planning on writing some this weekend on it as well. But, um, I mean, I think the biggest – one of the bigger takeaways I've had, obviously we'll, we'll talk about Isaiah Jackson in a minute, but um, I I really imagine Torrey Craig being more of like the 10th or 11th man on the team. Um, based on you know what his his talent level is and how he's been on other teams, uh, 
And it really seems like he's going to be the first forward off the bench, uh, which I think was what stood out the most to me. Like, I, I don't know, maybe I, I had blinders on, but it felt to me like we just really didn't hear that much about O'Shea Brissett um, out of out of training camp or at, at media day in general. Like, I, I don't I, I think Rick only mentioned O'Shea once, um, but he's, he's spoken really highly on Tory Craig. I'm, I'm not sure to you know, I don't want to take everything away from from just, you know, a couple of interviews, but also, you know, going off of. Rick's podcast with the sideline guys that was kind of that, that track there as well um where are you at with that because I found that really interesting and I'm, I'm I'm not entirely sure how I view that right now yeah I, I definitely feel like if you're setting a pecking order at least how they felt going into it the way they were talking about Craig as being a guy that really you know the emphasis was signing him was they weren't sure TJ Warren would be available to play, so they wanted to get a guy who could could, you know, play that kind of free four role. And um and it definitely sounds like he was gonna be the next guy up. Now I don't know if that means he's gonna be starting um just because of the you know the famous double big situation. Yeah. <laughs> that that creates a lot of flexibility with uh, who, who they can serve. But um I I, I Certainly think he, he's going to be in that um, first reserve unit. It sounds like, you know, and again, uh, this is a beautiful sweet spot here between the day and even this first um, preseason game where we have to just overanalyze uh, some, some sound bites and, and snippets and comments, which um, I'm fully deep into. <laughs> and yeah. There was a couple of great little interviews yesterday with uh, uh, Sabonis and, and uh, Justin Holiday, and I'm like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Um, only because it, in my mind, sounded like major slides at Nate Bjorkman, yeah. um, which I'm sure was not the intent. But, hey, that's what we're all right, man. That's, uh, that's the beauty of covering the league in this guy. So, um, but back to, you know, the, the point at hand, um, I tend to agree with you that, that Craig is in there. And, Again, this is the math thing. I mean, I, I don't think they're down on those shapes. Uh, I think they feel like he's going to be a guy that they can rely on and use. Um, but again, when it get, comes to a math equation, uh, when and how is that going to happen? Um, you know, unless let's not have it, you know, there's another rash of injuries. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's less that I think that they're down on O'Shea, but more more it seems like they are higher, just based on everything that's coming out, it feels like they are higher on Tory Craig than O'Shea Brissett um, yeah. coming into the year in some ways, which is definitely not what I expected. Um, and again, like that's, I think that's what I want to see most in preseason. How much are they using O'Shea Brissett? What is that looking like? Um, and I guess, you know, again, it's preseason, so you can't take away too much from it, but Something that is definitely worth tracking. Um, and the same thing with Isaiah Jackson. Like, uh, Caitlin and I talked right. about this, so we don't have to hit on it for too much. But, you know, they 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 had a complete shift in how they, they're, they're seeming to look at Isaiah going from, uh, you know, after the draft stating pretty clearly that they thought he's, there's, he's somebody that they want, that, that they view as a four long term who isn't quite there yet and that they want to see play in Fort Wayne for a while and, and develop. And then media day hit and they're like, well, we think he's ready to, you know, we think he's going to contribute for us this year. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I was not, I was not expecting that. And um, I mean, I guess part of that could be 
playing as well as he did in summer league, but also, you know, Chad Buchanan had that one-on-one after something like, I, I mean, during summer league or towards the end of it and um, was echoing the same stuff as, as he did on draft night. So um, where are we at with that? Because it's been the ocean, yeah. not ocean, gosh, it's been the Isaiah Jackson hype train heading into the year. It, it has. I mean, that was the most shocking thing of, um, as far as, you know, really raising the expectations on that. And, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that something like that happened. And then all of a sudden the guy's not playing and they're like, well, he's yeah. only 19 you know, a month into the season. You're like, well, yeah, but you guys were, you know, talking about him being the best athlete on the team and everything, which he probably is. But, but one thing that, you know, there were, uh, I can't remember if it was Pritchard or, or Carlisle, but specifically we're saying like what you saw at summer league with him was not, you know, the full go. I mean, and, and the fact that he had, um, all the red tape with the trade and everything that really didn't allow him to play that much until the last game. Um, and that, um, it, it's, you know, they made it sound like what they'd seen at the field house over the, you know, the month before training camp was improved, um, offensive game. And then, you know, you have the defensive capability to be kind of a bam out of bio type guy. Um, which is just mm, too fun to think about and um, also sets us all up for major disappointment. <laughs> if uh, if we don't see, you know, some of those flashes um, this year. But, um, it, but again, you know, back to the math problem, um, I ended up asking him about Goga Bataze because there was not a word uttered about him. And I'm thinking that, you know, it's, how are they going to have a rotation that has both Jackson and go Because I'm barely getting to go in there as it is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, yesterday, we, and, and here again, we're overanalyzing some. Um, you know, I see a clip with the bigs flaring out shooting threes. It's Goga. It's um, Domas and, and Miles Turner. Jackson's not with that group. He's with another group. So, you know, maybe maybe they're seeing him as um, more power forward. Uh, and less as a center, and you know, I'm sure at some point in his career he'd be a perfect guy to play both. But uh, maybe initially that's not how they're going to utilize him. So, um, but again, I, I don't know how they're going to squeeze all these guys in, and, and uh, you know, for impactful roles, um, unless it's more of a you know, they're going to be using eleven, maybe even twelve guys, but not every night. Obviously, you know, you're going to have play it on matchups or play it, um, you know, depending upon the, the team that's coming in or the situation or the back-to-back or whatever it might be where um, they're also managing minutes a little more than obviously, you know, like last year with uh, Domas and Malcolm in particular where they were, you know, playing those heavy minutes. So, um, you know, let, let's see. In trying to figure out, you know, the equation, and to get those guys in, it, it, those are the types of things you got to think about. But again, that's why it's going to be fun just early in the season to see how um, how it actually rolls out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 very interesting to parse through and try and figure that out. And again, like I just trying to like do the rotations um, it, on on paper, like just in an Excel doc, or just even just putting the minutes out. You're like, I don't know about this, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, transitioning away from that, I know you said coming in that you had something interesting, a, a TJ McConnell anecdote, which uh, I'm very excited to hear from you. 
<laughs> well, I'm just, I was listening to just, you know, the kind of interviews yesterday. And again, like I said, we're overanalyzing. And, um, and I heard, you know, Domas and, and uh, Justin Holliday talking about, you know, the structure and the, uh, you know, the gravitas, if you will, that Rick Carlisle has and, and the respect they all have for him and the respect the referees are going to have for him and, the, and all these things. I'm like, oh, man, there was no respect last year for what was going on. Um, and then, you know, TJ McConnell is um, – now, I know this show was on when I was really young in the 60s, Leave it to Beaver. Have you ever heard of it? This is a, Yeah, I've heard of it. It's interracial. Okay. Have you ever heard of Eddie Haskell? Uh, well, I think I've heard Beaver. of it, but I, it's, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Okay. I've never seen an episode of Leave it to Beaver. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So there's a general, there's a character on there who's a, like the older son's friend, um, Eddie Haskell, and he would come in, you know, and be like, Oh, hello, Mrs. Cleaver. How are you? And it'd be really polite mm-hmm. and basically full of crap. And then he'd go upstairs and just start, you know, being a jerk and, and being mean to, to the younger son and all that. So, you know, there's always a thing where, oh, this guy's in, is um, an Eddie Haskell because he, you know, gives this, gives this uh, perfect facade while he's talking. And then, you know, once the, um, in this case with TJ, uh, <laughs> once the mic's off, <clears throat> different guys. So I only say that because of last year where he stuck to the script with Bjorkman the whole way through, talking about how everybody respected him, how much they appreciated him and all that. And then now, you know, yesterday, he was kind of hitting all the same beats and talking about Malcolm and what an unbelievable leader he is and how lucky they are to play with him and the great job he's done and, and really promoting that leadership thing. And I'm just like, okay, this is getting to be a little bit much. Um, <laughs> so, so now, um, you know, uh, I, I appreciate the effort to, uh, to smooth over everything that TJ goes through. Um, but yeah, it, I, I'm gonna have a hard time taking uh, everything you said seriously when, it, when it's on the record. Wow, that's interesting. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of it that way. But that's that's a good point. He was very stuff, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and it's and it, it's fun, you know. And I'm sure, obviously, there's there's truth to it in his eyes and everything. But I'm like, come on, he's going over the top here again, like he did with Brooklyn. And um, I just I love it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, that's Eddie Haskell move. <laughs> well, I I will have to go up and, and and look up some some leave with the beaver so that I get a better picture. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I totally see that he was very uh, staunch in his defense of Nate Bjorkman last year, and, and I think part of that comes from being a coach's son, I would imagine. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, you know, going off that too, in terms of just looking at at the way that this team is talking about one another, talking about leadership and whatnot. Um, what did you make out of all of the leadership talk and everything that came out during media day? Because that was something that got hit a lot on uh, on Monday. Yeah, I, and again, I don't want to say disingenuous. I I, I, I think the effort is there, um, and I just feel like you know when, when Malcolm was brought in. I mean, that was one of the reasons he was brought in, not only because mm-hmm. of 
ability to play, but like he's just a natural leader. I mean, you hear him talk. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he sounds like President Obama, whatever, but he has a voice and he's obviously um, intelligent and, and, you know, seems to keep a, um, a steady hand. You know, he, he doesn't get too high or too low emotionally. Um, and he's that type of guy, as they said, you know, this week, and I, I feel like they said when he came in, is he's kind of a natural leader. Plus, he plays a position, is a leadership position. It's just natural that he would do that. And the thing that just doesn't sit right is that you know he he, he is you know into his prime now um, as a player, but still you know where was that last year? Where was that two years ago? Maybe. Um, it seemed like last year at this time we were kind of in the same same thing where he's meeting with Bjork and it seems like he's going to be the the uh, the you know conduit between the team and the coach and and then all of a sudden you know whatever happened it, it flipped 180 um, and and that that isn't necessarily you know Malcolm's fault or anything it was obviously that that whole staff had issues but. Um, but here we are again, kind of resetting, and then um, you know he's doing these things, and I, I just, I, I guess, the the true sign of the leadership will be when adversity hits, mm-hmm. um, and that goes for this whole team. How are they going to handle adversity? I, I feel like they're great when when things are going well, but um, there was ton of adversity last year. Obviously, didn't didn't handle it well, and. This year, they, they should have a better foundation, I think, with the experienced coaching staff they have. Um, and, you know, as we talked about that, they're going to have adversity early in the season just by the schedule as well um, and, and how they handle all that and um, move forward is going to be key. But, I, I, you know, it seems like there's a little more pressure on Malcolm this year to deliver in that leadership role. Um, just because, you know, I feel like it's been kind of talked about that he should be the leader. And then, you know, you hear Pritchard say there were no leaders last year. So um, that maybe that stung uh, Robin a little bit. And, and he's like, no, I'm going to be the guy. I'm, I'm going to do more. And, and maybe he's growing in that role, hopefully. And um, we'll see the fruits of it. Uh, but again, we'll have to see how it plays out um, and see what, happens when everybody's role shakes out and, and um, who's going to keep guys together, you know, I mean, you can already, you know, if you want potential issues, as, as Miles said, you know, there's like five 20 point scores out there potentially who's going to get the ball win, all that type of stuff. Um, how are you going to keep everybody happy? And, um, and if they aren't all together, as Carlisle said, they're going to struggle regardless. So, um, you know, they're going to need that voice from the players to, uh, to lead. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's really funny because in, in like, that was the, the next thing I want to hit on with miles. Um, I just like it, it, again, this is not, none of us have answers here. And it's more about like the guessing game and trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen. But like, Miles was like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Like, I think he has a right to feel the way that he does, um, especially considering how much he has sacrificed for the team. But like, Miles was pretty adamant about getting more touches and wanting to be more involved in the offense. 
and, you know, saying he's wanted that for the last couple of years, um, which I mean, we, we've known that, but like, this was like the, I mean, he like came out. That was like, I, that was like the first or second thing that he said, you know, jumping right into that. He had a really long opening on Monday. Um, but what was your takeaway from that? Because I think the more that, that I think about things, like the more that I try and look at, at the way that things are going to shake out, like, I just am not sure how um, it's, it's very maddening to look at it and try and figure it out from the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with Miles, he definitely, you know, kind of had that um, feel to him that he like, you know, this year I'm going to be assertive and, and I want, you know, to get my piece of the pie essentially. Um, and you know, he, he willingly said a few times last year that he was sacrificing, uh, for the role he was playing to, to be the defender. And then, um, you know, things were running through Domas and, and, um, you know, was, you know, he seemed all right with that role for, you know, at least as, as they were going early. Um, but the other thing is, you know, how how well can he produce if he's getting more touches? I feel like um, I feel like you know in his mind he hasn't always had that role, but I feel like he has had opportunities in that role and has definitely um, been inconsistent. Um, let's say you know he's shown yeah he can get twenty five points in a game and twelve rebounds and and then he's had games where he can get five points in a game and um, and fade away and, and not be as assertive. So, um, again, he's, he's kind of going into these prime years. So, um, you know, it's not fair to judge the past, you know, whatever, three years completely just because he's continuing to develop offensively. Um, but now it seems like he's maybe he's more confident in his, his offensive game and, and wants to show up. But, again, if he shows it, He's going to get enough opportunities, I feel, um, uh, to deliver. And, and, you know, if he's delivering, they're going to keep feeding the beast. You know, it's just how it works. Um, and, if, and if he's a little inconsistent, if he's not as reliable, then he's not. I mean, that, that's bottom line. Get the ball in the hoop. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's got to prove it and, and not talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, again, like a lot of it's just going to come down to what do we see on court? What's going to be different? Um, and I think that's a good launching off point. Unless you have anything else you wanted to hit on that stuck out, um, I think we can jump into the mailbag and, and start answering some of those questions. Sounds good. Cool. Um, so first one, I'm going to go through the uh, the IC comments first, and then we'll go to some of the ones we got on Twitter. Um, this is already a good one uh, from Dwayne K, longtime commenter. Plus minus, how many days do starters miss this season compared to last? Um, okay. <laughs> well, we're already starting off uh, on on our way in. Um, no, but in, in reality, uh, I, I think I don't. I don't want to sound disingenuous, but like in some ways, it feels like I, I wouldn't be shocked if if the starters miss. Um, close to the same amount of time this year, considering, I mean, it's an 82 game season now instead of 72. Um, like, I don't know, maybe that's not the greatest answer, but like, I, I just don't have a lot of faith that this team's going to be healthy. 
which feeds into a lot of what we've talked about. Like, I'm just, I think you and I are both kind of past the point of saying, yeah, we want to see this group fully together, healthy, because I mean, the season hasn't even started yet. And we're already pretty aware that we're, we're not going to see this group healthy together this year. It seems unlikely at least. Yeah, if you're if you were wagering on it, which you might be able to do here in Indiana, there's no way you would say you're going to see, I don't know, 60 games with all the starters. <laughs> I mean, um, obviously, you, but TJ Warren said in three weeks he's getting his, his foot checked out, and then you know, we'll have a better idea probably of when he may be able to round into shape. Um, stress, a back stress fracture, easy for me to say, is just, you know, a scary three-word phrase that doesn't um, bring up a lot of confidence that, you know, Kevin uh, Silver's going to be available uh, consistently. So uh, hopefully that's not the case as well. Um, and then, you know, you got the usual suspects with with Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so, that, that, yeah, that is just kind of who they are and what we expect, and, and it would be surprising if um, – um, now, hopefully, you know, last year there were times where there were several guys <laughs> at the same time. Um, hopefully it's a little more spread out, a little more sporadic, so, you know, you can maintain uh, – 10 quality guys that you're, you're trusting to go out there and, and compete with anybody. Uh, but uh, again, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've lived through this and, and know better than to uh, continue to say, well, once they're all healthy in December, things should be ready to roll. Uh, Cause that just doesn't seem to ever happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I'm there with you. I, I guess in, in, in all honesty though, I think I would, say you know probably less time missed than last year at least comparatively because last year was just a <laughs> nightmare fueled in, induced uh yeah. state and also the team is a little bit deeper this year i imagine that rick is not going to play a playoff rotation for the first month and a half of the season so right um that would be beneficial because i do think like that that really seemed to be i don't want to directly put that on on nape yorkin and, and last year's coaching staff but um I, I don't want to say it wasn't, uh, you know, yeah. when you're playing somebody 39 minutes per game for the first 15 games, I, I wonder why they're getting injured later on in the season. So um, appreciate the questions, Wayne. On to the next one from uh, from Cowering Hippo, another longtime listener. Um, I'm feeling more down on this team's future than I felt in about 15 years. I, Jesus, I really picked the most gloomy ones to answer right away. I don't see any hope from anybody on the roster suggests this team might have championship upside outside of a teardown. No real future assets. We have a decent floor, I guess. Why should I be looking forward to being a fan over the next six to seven seasons? Um, so I'm going to give an answer right now, and, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say too. But to me, I understand uh, fan frustration with the team because even just as somebody covering the team, it's been, it started to get frustrating a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I would just say, well, the team maybe doesn't have championship upside. I do think that they have upside to be something more. Um, and I really do think that this is coming to a head one way or another in the next two seasons. Um, and 
ultimately there is going to be a change of direction somehow. Like they did not hire Rick to be a shitty team, but also if things don't go right, they're going to make changes. Uh, and I would assume that, and I'm not trying to call for KP's head, but I'm just saying like, if things do go wrong this year, next year, like KP is the guy that it comes down on um, pretty clearly. Like this is, uh, I'm not trying to say that he's on the hot seat, but you know, as we talked about last uh, last off season, like there was some stuff there. Um, he talked about himself, which I think was less founded upon and more just he wanted to be open and honest about it, which I appreciate. But like, um, if this team doesn't take a step in the right direction, changes are happening, and it's going to probably. I, I don't know if it's going to be a necessarily a full teardown, but like. This team has talent. I understand not thinking that the team has real future assets. Like, Demonis Sabonis is 25 years old. He's a two-time All-Star. He's on a long-term contract right now uh, that probably undervalues how good he is. Um, I know it's not perfect. Like, there isn't a quote-unquote superstar on the team, but there are a lot of damn good players. And, I again, just as frustrating as this team can be, they are in a much better state than, like, the bottom 10 teams in the league, if you really look at it. Um, and maybe that's an unfair way of looking at it. Like, I, of course, I think you could say OKC is in a better spot because they're going to have more quote unquote championship upside in time. But like, again, I think as frustrating as stability can be when it does break right in one one direction, it's going to uh, it's going to feel differently. I, I don't know how you feel on it, Tom, but that's just my two cents on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I can understand where the, where the question comes from. Um but I would say, yeah, you mentioned Sabonis' contract. I mean, several players have really good contracts on this team. If you consider that, you know, if, if you're a Pacers fan, you just focus on them and you focus on who's making the money. And these guys are getting paid $20 million a year. You know, that's a lot. But right now, you know, a $20 million salary slot is like, you know, $10 million was not that long ago. It's a reasonable um reasonable contract for the level of talent that, that these guys have. Um and I I felt like um one one of the you know things I kinda of took away from Carlisle's comments at the start of his uh media day time was that, you know, he's back to like we have to play at an elite level together. Like we have to play together. The togetherness has to be elite. Um, and that's true. Um, they're not a team that can be disjointed at all or, or have any, uh, selfish components, um, or it's going to go south and there's going to be major changes. Right. And I think that is, if there are, if there is a need for the major changes, if they can't play and that, I mean, that is tricky having to play that, you know, the, the it narrows your ability to succeed when you have to play that well as a team together consistently. Um, you don't have you know that superstar, those guys that can carry a team, um, you know, to a win, to a win or two a week uh, on their own. Uh, you know, you you ha you have a formula that relies on on the collective, and that that's tough and it's tough to keep guys going on that. Uh, especially if their roles aren't as big as they may have thought they were, but you know all those roles are important nonetheless. So, um, so saying that, that, that if they if they can't get it together, you know, in general, they do have options to pivot and 
make moves and try something different and definitely go in a different direction. And there's no doubt that this is a year that they would do that um, if things don't go well, uh, whether it's by the trading deadline or by the draft next year. But, um, you know, they do have the two rookies they brought in seem like they're going to be valuable players. Um, they're going to be on good contracts for a few years as well. And, you know, if Jackson can <laughs> live up to half the hype we heard the, earlier this week, then, you know, they, they may really have a good little future and also um, makes other guys expendable um, in, in making a deal um, in the front court. So I think, it you know, it's hard to say, oh, they're going to trade. You're not just going to trade one guy for a, a first-round pick or, you know, I don't think they're ever going to really want to blow up to get a lottery pick. You know, I think they'd rather bring in veterans that that help play different roles um, for the future. But again, they they have moves to make. Um, they've had moves to make for the last, I don't know, five or six years. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, and I think that's what's almost so what comes off <laughs> is so frustrating. Like they, it feels like they just have a winning hand and sit on it sometimes or a hand that could be winning. And you're not sure. Like you don't have a full house, but yeah. you don't think yeah, anybody I mean, else is a full house, the, uh... but you're also waiting because you're like, well, maybe he does have a full house and it's just, you're, not, <laughs> you're waiting to actually put your hand in it. And like, yes, just, I don't know exactly. I think we're in the same spot. It's just, yeah, it kind of goes back to that, uh, Bogdanovich and Thad Young here where those guys came in. And they were perfect guys to sell off to a championship contender. But then they played so well. And there was like, and the fans, you know, rallied around the team and they didn't want to break it up. And then, you know, so then they they lost that value of <laughs> trying to build up uh, for the future at that point. And, you know, they've been just kind of building from there um, in a similar way, bringing guys in uh, and have similar guys that, you know, or, or could be flexible, could be moved. But um, again, that's the frustration. They just haven't ended up pulling the trigger on anything. And, you know, and obviously if they didn't have the right deals, you don't want them to just sell them off just because they got them. Um, so it goes both ways. But you're right, you know, Pritchard's got to be, be uh, um, make, pulling, making the right moves, um, whether it's staying pat, because things are going well or or making a timely move when opportunity strikes. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, so getting to uh, what question I want to go to next. Um, okay. From uh, I, our, our guys at Big Blackenstein on Twitter, uh, who is the player you most excited to watch and see how they have progressed since last season? Um, and in, Gosh, this is a good question. I'll let you. I'll yeah. let. I'll let you go first on this one. I just did like a uh, roulette wheel in my head <laughs> because I could land on a few guys, but I mean, I, I, I think in some ways, Karis Levert to me, um, after hearing him talk about how he was thrown into playing last year and honestly was unprepared. Um, even though, you know, he was physically recovered um, from the surgery he had and all that. Um, but, you know, he wasn't, he was never fit to his liking. He, he, you know, was kind of thrown in 
unexpectedly. Um, and, you know, I felt like he, he had his moments, but, you know, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him um, within the system and, you know, with a, with a greater understanding of how to play with all the rest of the teammates and kind of the impact he can make and, um, and, and see how many games he can play this, this year because, you know, the day before we get his injury news, he was just talking about how much he just wanted to play as many games as possible this year. So um, I guess that would be my my first pick among a few. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have Karras up there as well because you want to see him in a full year with, with the Pacers. Um, gosh, you know, my answer would have been Edmund Sumner about a month ago, which Ooh, sucks yeah. and makes me sad. Um I, I, I just hope for the best for him. Um, I think my answer that I will go with, though, I mean, it is O'Shea for me. I think in some ways, like, obviously they drafted um, they, they drafted Isaiah and, and Chris. But, like, O'Shea is, is a prospect on this team still. Like, I mean, I think he's 23. Uh, he just turned 23 over the summer. And he was incredible on the back end of last year, given what he was asked to do and the role that he played. And I thought he was fantastic in summer league and showed growth there. Um, and again, like that's part of like, that's where it comes into with the Tory Craig thing for me. Like I like Tory Craig, but I really would be kind of, uh, unless Tory Craig has some random breakout in his, his age 30 season. Um, I would really like to say see O'Shea, you know, really get a sizable amount of minutes this year and, and see what he can do. Cause I think if he is able to build off of some of the things he was doing last year and, and, and show and with the improvements he showed at summer league, like, yeah, I think he's, he is a guy moving forward for sure for the team. Um, and especially just considering the size position he plays, like that's important. Like the team needs that kind of guy. Um, but we'll see on that one. I appreciate that. That was a good question. Um, yeah, real quick on O'Shea, oh, yeah, if, for I, sure. if I can't, just, I, I agree, like, I feel like he's a guy, and again, he is young, and um, I feel like his future's bright as well, but I feel like he is the type of guy who, you know, championship teams have, <laughs> who play a role, that come in and can kind of do a little bit of everything, get hot at the right time, just, you know, not necessarily, you know, maybe like a P.J. Washington type or, or um, the, the guy who is just always making plays and, and in the right spot. And, um, you know, some, some games he's playing 10 minutes, some games he, you know, may play 20. Um, but he's, he's just a key cog, um, in the full machine. And, um, you know, I, I you know, I agree. I, I think his future is, is really bright in that role. And, and again, like you said, in Vegas, he really stood out as, the pros pro out there when he played. I mean, he, he was solid and um, so good that he didn't have to play the whole time. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, so um, I agree. I, I looking forward to seeing him get those opportunities when he can. So I actually have a question for you off that then, because I agree. Like, I think what's so awesome about this team is you, you, there are like 12 or 13 guys you can slot in and say, <laughs> well, you could play any amount any night, but like, and part of it is on the player themselves to like be able to handle that. But I also think it's really tough. Like as much as Aaron had a million opportunities and really did struggle to find his footing, especially last year, 
Like, it just was tough to see him get cast in a different role seemingly every other week. Like, he was asked to do something different. And I know, again, like, you're an NBA player. It's your job to adapt and find a way. But also, like, these guys are creatures of habit. They're built on having consistency. And, like, Aaron Holiday's never had a consistent role. And I think that's a little bit of what I'm worried with, with how many guys there are on this team and trying to figure that out. Because, frankly, Nate Bjorken was not good at finding out who to plug and play whenever. And, Mm. honestly, he – you know, we came into the year thinking he was going to be good at doing that. Like, that's what was preached. But it ended up being a lot of, okay, well, I'm going to run my eight guys and maybe somebody else will play 10 minutes tonight. Like, that's how it ended up being. I think Rick will be a lot better with that. But, again, it's just like I'm very interested to see how that plays out. I don't have a great concrete answer on it. But, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, that that is a, you know, a skill <laughs> um, um, for those type of guys. I, yeah, yeah. I think of a guy like um, – you know, like Jared Dudley, you know, mm-hmm. he played, he played every role imaginable, but, it, it, you know, when he got in, he was in there to make an impact um, with a variety of teams uh, and a variety of roles. Um, and, you know, as he, I think maybe as he, you know, and O'Shea's too young at this point to get there, but I think as he matured and grew, in the league and realize I can play a long time doing this, playing this role because people like have me on the team because I can do this, you know, and you, you kind of have to get to that point where you realize, okay, I'm not going to be a starter every game. I'm not going to be a star. I'm going to be this. And this is better than nothing Um, or, you know, not playing. And, um, and really, you know, can, can embrace that role, I guess is, is a term I'm looking for. Um, but that's not easy, especially for a young guy who's like, doesn't want to, you know, sky's the limit. You, you want to, you know, your dreams are to be the starter, be all starter, all that, you know, you're, you're not going to limit yourself at his age. Um, but still you can't, you can't get to those heights unless you are available and come in and are ready to produce and be the pro. So, um, but yeah, that it, it's tricky. And it's tough for and different guys handle it differently, and and um, and that's a challenge with with all these guys that you know that we're talking about. Um, you know, when, when your time's up, you gotta produce. It's uh, kind of black and white in the, um, in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. Um, well, we're gonna take two more questions. Uh, one is not not to just take one. It's for myself, but it's first one I saw. It's from uh, from Thomas Welch, NBA writing related. How are you personally going to try to balance having done such a deep dive into the draft this year with more broad coverage? Rookies are so often on the fringes of an NBA season. Do you expect to find a hard enough focus on the guys you liked in the draft? That's a great question. Um, my goal with that this year is to I well, now that I'm I was trying to do all of that on top of school last year, and now I'm not in school. So um that that saves me like 30. 30 plus hours a week. So I'm, I'm anticipating that that will go to draft coverage. So they don't have to cram it all in um, towards the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, I normally watch uh, NBA games. Like if, if it's not the, uh, it's not Pacers or Cavs games. I watch the other games on tape delay um, or not Jesus tape delay. I watch them in my scouting service in the morning because they're uh, it cuts out all of the commercials. It cuts out all the dead ball. Um, so it condenses everything down to like, 40 ish minutes and you can watch it without missing anything. But um, no, that's a good question. Like even just looking at the Pacers and this kind of combines another question, like 
Um, looking at the two guys from Houston, Nate Hinton and, and Dejan Giroux, like those are two guys who I really mm. liked in the last two drafts. Like I actually think if, if Nate Hinton's shot really hits, like there's a chance that he could find some rotation time this year. Cause um, based on how much this team needs rebounding, like there's other than, than Domas and, 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 and Goga and miles, like Nate Hinton's the best rebounder on the team. Probably um, like he is that good as a six, five guard. Um, like there are just like little things like that. Like I, I watched them at summer league and a lot of it is, um, you know, finding a basis. And part of it is cause I just not to like hype myself up, but I'm just weird. And I'm, I never stop watching basketball. Like on my birthday, I, I woke up and I watched like three or four games and that was, that was what I wanted to do on my birthday. Like, I don't know. I just, I love basketball. I keep up with, um, random shit going on. Like I was watching Shane Larkin play in the Turkish league over the summer, like, there's you can always just like I love tracking a guy's progression and like you see that stuff by by constantly keeping up with their games or um, you know asking people about it and trying to, to see that so a lot of the college season for me is going to be um, you know trying to keep up at, at least like there are games that I have circled like I want to watch a lot of Patrick Baldwin Jr. this year because he's a guy who I really like and I'm, I'm writing on right now and um, you know it's about just having constant check-ins and seeing what they're doing i don't think you have to watch every single game ever i think that's a little bit overblown like a you're asking a little too much out of yourself considering that there's other stuff to do and also like you can still form opinions without having to have seen every single second of film that exists but i appreciate the question and i will be uh yes definitely keeping up with that as the year goes on question for us though hey, um, we, we got you gotta give me some roco precaution updates throughout the year too uh, yeah did i tell you ever about that guy who uh who commented that was a uh um i i, I posted that um uh what was it called i posted that 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 podcast that i did with with my friend ignacio mm-hmm. and this guy comments on it and he's like roco is gonna pull out of the draft i'm i'm a you know i'm i'm a, a mutual friend of his and it was just like a no face avatar on Twitter. I'm like, okay, well, do you have a do you have a report? Because I haven't seen this anywhere. And Roko pulled out of the draft eight hours later, and he like commented on it again. It was just like it was wild. It was very crazy to see that. Um, but yeah, and also for a Roko update, I just watched one of his games. Uh, he played his first Euroleague game with with Chibona. His season started up last week, I think, and he looked good. The shot looks a little bit better. Um, his his handle is tighter and he was finishing through contact with regularity like he's a guy who's fantastic at 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 finding contact but like finishing through it has been a uh, a rocky start for him but he looked good i think he was like 11 or 12 from the field was really good rotationally on defense had some really nice passes like yeah i'm very high on him still and i think he should be a lottery pick this year he's had the update yeah he was isaiah it. jackson before isaiah jackson I think that he's a better prospect than Isaiah Jackson. I'm yeah. sure so there's somebody who will disagree with me on that, but I, I think he's pretty clear. He's definitely a better prospect than Isaiah in my mind. But um, <clears throat> moving on to our last question uh, from at not underscore DB Cooper, which I absolutely love that name. Um, do you think the Pacers will offer a contract extension to Warren? And if yes, do you think he will accept it? As far as I know, the most they can offer is 70 for four. And yes, that is correct. I believe it's like just about that number. It, it's very little above what his contract currently is. Um, and it's really, you know, this is not a question I would have taken um, earlier, you know, before we knew he was going to miss part of this year. 
I still would lean more towards saying no. I don't think TJ would even think of accepting that if his agent is, is good. I don't know whose agent is, but I'd imagine like that's that should be a non-starter for TJ as far as I'm concerned. So I don't think the Pacers will offer that because they know it's a pretty hefty low ball, but also given the injury concerns um, and missing this time, like a lot of it's going to depend on what happens this year. But I would say his stock probably has taken a little bit of a hit in terms of what he's going to make in the offseason. But it's also worth noting, like, a lot of guys have signed already, um, signed extensions already, that would be free agents this offseason. Like, Zach Levine is the most notable uh, free agent this offseason, and there have been reports that he's potentially going to sign a new deal with the, with the Bulls. They've been talking about it. Um, so he might be off the table. And in some ways, that makes TJ one of, like, the two or three best free agents this summer. Um this is looking very far ahead, but it is definitely noteworthy because he's on an expiring contract. We know that Kevin Pritchard is is never one to shy away from trying to upgrade the roster by trading away expiring contracts and not having to sign somebody to a, a massive deal. So um, I know this is a little premature, but but where are you at with that? Because it's something that will kind of be on the back burner this year. Yeah, man, it definitely will. Um Stay on the back burner. I, I feel unless he can show he can play. I mean, if you miss essentially, you know, a year and a half, that that's uh, that's tough going into contract year to to, um, to kind of max out your your value um, with the team. But um, you know, I, I feel like the Pacers will will try to sign him. I you know, and I, I think he would would happily come back if, if the numbers are right. Um, but it's really, I feel like it's really hard to, um, you know, judge that market on him with this, with this foot thing. Um, and, you know, the other injuries he's had and the, the reliability um, that, you know, is going to put a dent in his, um, in his value. So then, you know, it's a matter of if he, you know, isn't getting maxed out anywhere, does he want to, Try and take less and go somewhere else, uh, maybe to a, a, a you know top contending type team. Um, but then again, you know those teams that really don't have room for um, a big salary either. So um, yeah, this is a this is a good <laughs> question because you you've heard his name in you know bandied about once in a while in, in trade rumors over the summer. Um, and they certainly have to have some idea of um, what, you know, what Warren and his reps are thinking. Um, yeah, and not to, not to interject, but uh, I know before J. Michael left the Indy Star to go to Orlando, um, he had reported that uh, the Pacers were really prioritizing. I believe it was J. Michael. It was J. Michael or Scott Agnes. And I'm almost positive it was J. Reported that uh, the Pacers were, you know, of the – like TJ was an utmost priority for them and they were, they were working yeah. on re-signing him. Um, so just worth interjecting that as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, but that, that, that's the thing. It, it seems like, it seems like, you know, the, whenever you hear TJ talk, it's, it, it's the uh, interest is mutual. Um, he seems to like the organization. Um, I think because he can maintain his low profile, <laughs> um, which is interesting, but um uh, but yeah, it, it, the value is is so tricky with this stuff, and that, that's 
one thing, you know, again, you look at, at the roster and, and guys who, you know, at one point a couple of years ago, maybe we thought they were being overpaid and now they're undervalued and it, it changes so quickly here. Um, I feel like anything that they, they're, they're going to have to offer them money that we're going to feel like, oh, that might be a little much if you can't play, obviously. And, and God dang, they, they're just having those big numbers um, with guys who are getting injured um, is, is such a crapshoot. And um, it, it has honestly, you know, kind of thwarted a couple seasons here. Um, so, I, again, this is the, the challenge that Pritchard has among the many challenges right now is figuring out how to how to maximize his current group. Um, and if they aren't playing perfectly together, he's got to make some tough decisions. Um, but. I, I I just I don't know I I just I'm interested in the market for Warren just because of that health issue I know you know that stretch in the bubble was huge um, and showed all the promise that that he has and, and maybe that will uh, continue to push his value up but um, I'd be nervous you know giving him a big big contract on a free agent market and I wonder how many teams were, would really be willing to cut that check um, when it comes down to it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because, I, again, like I think four for 70 is a clear undershoot for him. Uh, like I – and this is, again, is not a reporter or anything, not that I think anybody thinks I'm reporting it, but like I just – I would be pretty shocked if he got anywhere under four for 90. Like right now, like the way that I look at it, just given mm-hmm. – and I think that would probably be about unfair value. You could argue he might get paid more. I don't think he's quite a max player, but um, you know, you never know. He's six foot eight. He can play defense and he can score from all three levels and and and, and shoot well, like on volume. Uh, those guys get paid, so it's yeah. it's definitely worth noting. And most importantly, I just hope that he's able to get back and be healthy for him. Like, yeah, it would be great for the team, but most importantly, like it just sucks. TJ Warren hasn't gotten to play basketball in like almost a year now. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping you can get, get, get back and be healthy. But, Tom, this has been a, a great way to kick off October. Somehow it is it is October 1st today, which is wild to say. Um, I think the leaves finally just started changing around uh, around me today or yesterday. Um, it, it falls here, which means NBA season is coming pretty damn quickly. The first, uh, first preseason game is in four days for, for the Pacers. Tom? You have anything you want to get out? Uh, get get out, Jesus. Uh, anything that you want to you want to mention or, or plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, I'm just excited as well. You know, the the leaves will soon be looking like uh, the color of basketball, and that's when it's time to go. And I uh, appreciate the work that you guys are doing at Indy Cornrows, and we'll keep following this team and in various ways. And uh, it's definitely. You know, as, as things are going, it is uh, a year that is going to be intriguing and, and fun to follow and hopefully a positive one at some point. Um, so keep the faith, people. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Tom, I appreciate you. To everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm really excited for the season to kick off and to, to bring you guys as, as much awesome coverage as I can. I know we have been a little bit less active on the pod. I honestly kind of needed – a little bit more of a break as the summer has wound down. 
Um, but I'm really excited to get going with four or five pods a week, probably, probably more, you know, we'll see how it goes. I always tell myself it's going to be less. It ends up being more, but I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Tom, I'll talk to you later. Everyone listening. Thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day.